Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, John Clore. Hello, Mustang fans, and welcome to another Ford Performance Edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast. I'm your host, John Clore. As the Enthusiast Communications Manager for Ford Performance, I hope that you are reading my efforts in the Enthusiast section of FordPerformance.com every week. And as always, my co-host is Mustang Hobby Guru Mike Ray, who also happens to be the president of Moxum, which is the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan. Mike, tonight it's Mustang Heroes Night. I was just going to tell you, one of our favorite Mustang heroes is in the house tonight, so we're looking forward to a good show tonight. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, in case you, you know, haven't figured it out yet, uh, tonight's show, we're going to be talking to Jack Telnack, and he's the former Global Vice President of Design of the Ford Motor Company, and he held reign on that from 1980 through 1997. Uh, he's the best known uh, probably for Mustang people for his work on the 79 Fox body Mustang, but other Ford people know him for the 83 Ford Thunderbird. And one of my uh, probably most significant cars at Ford Motor Company was the 1986 Ford Taurus. Of course, that car ushered in a brand new era of aerodynamic design and in America's mainstream marketplace kind of changed the world and changed the fortunes of Ford Motor Company uh, not only is Jack an accomplished designer, but he for years has been a cultivator of talent at Ford. Uh, Jack, thank you so much for joining us tonight on the podcast. Well, it's my pleasure, John. Just just great being with you. Well, unfortunately, I wasn't able to be with you with Mike Ray at the Ford Yacht Club for a Moxham cruising out there. Mike, uh, did you hit, bring enough cars for Jack to walk around and look at? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he great, sure did. Fun time catching up with Jack and. Uh, it's always a good time talking about one of the Mustang heroes, and we're trying to get um, him and some of the other guys that helped organize that event to come down to the Halderman Museum with us in September. That would be awesome. Um, I know Jack had a, a little misfortune with a car accident, and he's just recovering from that. But, Jack, when you get your your wheels back underneath you and maybe get to travel a little bit more, we'd love to get you on the road, not just to with the Ford Enthusiast community. I know everybody's clamoring to get you there to Mustang Alley and the Woodward Dream Cruise coming up at the end of August. Of course, you are yep. always welcome at Mustang Memories. This year is the last year, we hope, Mike, that it won't be at headquarters, but it'll be pretty close. That is correct. Yeah, it's uh, within a baseball throw of world headquarters this year, but um, Ford has told us that we should be have no issues at all about returning for next year. Um, and we're doing a huge SBT bash, uh, which falls to the end of that Fox body reign, uh, which was, you know, uh, that 93 Mustang that everybody just oh so loves. Uh, there's there's actually a couple of big shows coming. I know the SVT guys, the Lightning guys, the uh, the Thunderbirds having a big anniversary. I mean, there's so many things going on next year. So, Jack, when he said a baseball's throw from Ford World Headquarters at the AAA building down on Hubbard Avenue, he meant an Al K-Line throw. Uh, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. yeah well, I don't think I'm capable enough of to that. know who Al K-Line is, <laughs> that's the only guy I know that could throw it that far. Certainly not a John Clore throw. But Jack, tonight, um, I hope everyone on the podcast has listened to your Mustang Owners podcast. I think you're number two or three coming out of the gate when we started this series. And what a wonderful journey you've taken us through for your career at Ford 
your design background and um, the, the storied time you had at the head of design. And that's why tonight we're going to throw you a curveball from okay. Jack Morris or maybe Good. somebody like that, Denny McLean. And uh, okay. what we're going to do is we're going to ask the former vice president of design at Ford, the man who's really kind of changed the the way people look at cars with the, with the 86 Taurus, um, Jack, about the EV world. And, and the reason we're bringing this up and the reason why we mentioned Gail Halderman, who he's just lost a couple years ago, yeah. uh, Gail once said to me, um, he he's really glad he's not a designer today. He said, because they're going to hand you a jelly bean and what you're going to be able to do is design some headlights and taillights. And he kind of um, was, was saddened to see that the, not enough people were taking risks in the marketplace with sheer design. Gail had mentioned maybe Cadillac. Um, and I know Hal Spurlick had a hand in suggesting Cadillac create their own design language. And it's kind of like they chiseled from granite look and they, maybe some of the EVs with Polestar and Rivian, but Jack, we're interested in knowing your thoughts on with the advent of SUVs. Do you think yeah. that necessarily has stifled design and why do so many of them look alike? Could you kind of share some of your thoughts about that? Yeah. And if you really go back, uh, the, the basic uh, silhouette of an SUV, well, just about all SUVs inside elevation, are very very similar, and they really get back to the model, uh, the model uh, model A. I mean, it's just uh, uh, you know they're just they're just a box, and the only place the designer has time to really or an area where he can really express himself is in the front and rear. I mean, yeah, yeah, we can a little bit, but they're they're generally box. It's interesting to see the way we've come all this distance, and now we've resorted reverted right back to where we kind of started. But uh, I know I, th I think the uh, the uh, opportunities are still there, no question about it. You know, it's like, and I, I used to say when when people said, "Well, now that you're in the aero, will all cars look alike?" And I, the example that I used to give was, "Well, uh, you can tell the difference between a canary and a vulture, but they they all fly, they all have the same thing." And, and, it's, and yeah, I, think I guess it's. I guess you're right, but um, I, I, there is some lament uh, when it comes to consumers who go to the marketplace. And you know, I, I'd spoken to Hal Spurlick recently. You know Hal very well, of course, and uh, yeah. he, he had suggested to me, and I'm wondering your thoughts about this. That in today's world, when a young person walks into, say, a Ford dealership or really any automotive dealership, he says there's very little in there to really get excited about when it comes to design. Unlike what happened when a new Mustang came out, like when the the, the original Mustang was originally yeah, debuted, sure. and when your Mustang came out, th those were exciting times. And he said, now when a young person goes into a dealership, they, the the cars, the SUVs from compact to, to midsize to even full size, kind of have that same, like you say, silhouette, top hat. Yeah. And there's very little to get excited about. Would you kind of concur with someone has to really try to take the lead when it comes to design? I'm not. I'm not sure who's in the lead uh, when, it, when it comes to SUVs, but I, I think that uh, jumping ahead a little bit here, I think that the uh, the Mustang Mach E is almost an SUV with, with the hatchback, and uh, they've really broken away from the rest of them. Now, admittedly, it's a little lower than a normal SUV. It's a bit, It's a lot lower than a normal SUV. So they've really 
I think address both problems or both issues or whether they're functional. And yet, it's a, it's a it's a Mustang, no matter how you no matter how you slice it. But uh, again, plenty of plenty of opportunity, I think, for uh, a designer to express him or herself. Well, I know when we went to the preview for the Maki, Mike Ray uh, was there. Remember, Mike? They said something about wanting to retain Mustangs fastback. So from the they made like a black painted roof line, so you can't. It's harder to see that the roof actually goes to the back. Did, wasn't one of the designers there and told us that that was on purpose? Yes, oh. absolutely was. And uh, yeah, they tried to take a lot of the cues from the Mustang. Um, and you know, we there was a, that was a very um, debatable discussion about the name and everything on the car there. Um, but from you know what we were told from the team was you know um, the iconic name and the brand was getting them into the EV program and the, you know, EV world, if you will. And um, what better way to do it than an iconic name such as Mustang to uh, to bring it along that way. Well, and you have to admit, at least from the rear jack, Mustang retained those 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 three taillights and the Mach-E retained that. Well, they did. And I think, you know, from a side elevation, it uh, they were able to give the, they, the designers there now were able because I remember I was in the design center while they were working on the, on the clay model. And uh, so they were able to get even uh, more of a fastback look by by uh, painting out the the uh, rooftop black, and and yet they had the head, they maintained the headroom on the interior of the car by doing it. So I thought it was kind of a clever touch to uh, work it out that way. Jack, do you still think that in even in today's world with so many people so tied up with tech, that design is still an important element in today's marketplace? No, no, I no, 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 no. It's like saying the love affair with cars as it go on, but it it has it isn't it hasn't. I think you know places like uh, some of the Concord Elegances around the country, yeah. Pebble Beach, the Woodward Dream Cruise. I mean, people people still love cars. There's all in all, in all age groups. There's no question about it. No, that that has, that has not died, and I think that you know the company that brings out the. Uh, the breakthrough look in any of these cars is, will be the winner. It's, it's still it's still there. It's still ready to be taken. Well, well, Mike, remember we were talking to some people along Mustang Alley last year, and then uh, some of the other clubs, Fairlane, Galaxy, um, Thunderbird, especially. They said, Jack, that when you came aboard at Ford um, throughout the fifties, uh, and you know some of the Concours events, that automotive designers were making pieces of art, and there are fewer and fewer pieces of art in dealerships today. Would you kind of agree with that? Or is it just too much of a struggle to make something truly unique? Well, I, I guess I'm a little biased on it, but I, uh, and I, I like to think that uh, cars are still a form of rolling art. And that, uh, and then we can still get excited about it. I mean, just yesterday, my wife happened to notice a, a Mustang in a parking lot. Uh, she, she drove me uh, over in, down here in Wyandotte. And it was it was a, a brilliant yellow, and it had a, a this unique front end on it. It was a Mustang GT, brand new. And it, uh, my gosh, I mean, so, she got so excited about the car just seeing it that uh, she had to, you know, grab me and take me over to see this car to see what I thought what I thought of it. And I was impressed. I was really impressed. I mean, it it made a very strong statement. Well, the number one thing uh, that. You know, if you talk to any of the Moxham owners and any of the Mustang people that when they say, oh, you get to talk to these guys, can you ask Mr. Telnack something? So I wrote it down, and here's okay. what they're asking you. Um, electric cars, 
most electric cars, of course, when yep. you see them on the road, don't need a grill. It's not right. a function of the front end. Um, a lot of people believe Tesla's done a very goofy looking bar of soap nose on the car. They kind of yep. like the fact that Mach 1's trying to be something. But mm -hmm. if Jack Telnack were the head of Ford Design today, and he was given a car platform that does not need a grill, right. what kind of a rethink, Jack, would that give you without needing to put something between headlamps? Well, I think there's there's some real opportunities there. And by the way, I think that I get the impression that when Tesla got to the front end of the car, uh, they it, it looks like they didn't know what to do. It just <laughs> just sort of ended, and they said, "Well, that's it, boys. We got to get this thing in production, and uh, forget it. We won't have a grill." And it, it just I looks like agree. somebody cut it cut it off, and uh, it it has it has no no character to it. But uh, I think the the mock uh, the mock E certainly has some character it's it's a bit of a floating uh floating effect on there with the mustang where they, where they put the mustang horse right in the center of it but there are plenty of things that we can do in the front end and, uh, and and others are too others are you know wrapping uh very thin lights across the whole front end that uh, tie right. in with the side moldings and all sort of thing but uh, yeah the, the, there, there's no end to it this this, this isn't uh, you know we're, we're not finished designing front ends just because it's an electric car no, I know that you had mentioned in your previous podcast that once you change the hard points of a car and with the Mustang of the Fox body, I guess it was the cowl height, um, right? Which which is an important aspect of designing, especially a Mustang. Um, yeah. So would the not having a radiator up front and really you could go kind of low, I would imagine, in the front. Um, would that kind of spark you if you were the head of design to try something a little bit more daring that? Now, some people say the Rivian and maybe the uh, Polestar are the only ones taking any chances. Um, some Mazda cars are trying to be out there a little bit. The Mach-E certainly is better looking than a Tesla, in my humble opinion. But, Jack, oh, yeah. without yeah. That, that constraint, uh, if you were the head of design and you knew you face, face the cowl problem, what, what would you see as something maybe would it be more wedge-shaped? What's something that you would see in your mind would you like to see some of the designers tackle with EVs? Yeah, I would definitely uh, try a, a lower front end, more slope, more slope to the hood. I, you know, on, on, the, on the 79 Mustang, we were working with the Fox platform, and we had a, a cowl, uh, cowl hard points to contend with, and uh, which, which was pretty high. And the only way I could get any slope to the to the hood was to believe it or not raise the cowl. And I always swore I, I would never raise a cowl on a car. I thought it was sacrilegious. If you know, if in doubt, lower the cowl. And it, but we have, but by raising the cowl a bit, we were able to get a little bit of slope to the hood on the uh, on the Fox Mustang. And so it's, I, I I think it's, it's it's really important. It's imperative to have some more slope to it and not uh, you know take advantage of the fact that there's no radiator up front holding us up. No, no. It, it, there are plenty of things we can do there to uh, to take you know take advantage of this new package and, and the and the new technology that goes into it. Well, with your background, uh, you know, you did mention sometimes you you thought that uh, maritime designs with boat designs um, made their way into car designs. And do you think this might be an opportunity for maybe a little bit more of that? Not that I want to, you know, we don't need a <laughs> boat nose. Yeah. But yeah, what do you think yeah. about maybe something like that? Uh, would would do boats still capture the imagination? 
Oh, they, well, the, lately they have captured a lot of imagination, and you know some designers always have always felt that both were just cars turned upside down. But there's, <laughs> but there's a lot there's a, a lot we can uh, still I think borrow or, or take off uh, off boat design and bring it in that, because in many cases boats have, have taken a lot of design cues from cars over the years. They really have even with you think of the wraparound windshields and all that we've had in cars and boats. Boats even went to fins. Back in the uh, late fifties and early sixties, yeah. uh, for for no, fact, Chris Craft had a beautiful one uh, with a fin just in the center of it, and they're, it's a real classic. And they're they're uh, they're doing they're doing very well, and they're very very expensive now. Well, Jack, Jack, Mike was um, I don't know if he's told you that Moxham has kind of spawned a new uh, secondary club, and he calls it Boxham. Mike, what does that stand for? The Bronco Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan, which we are almost at 850 members already. Woo. So, wow. Mike, Mike, Bronco is a whole different boxy design exercise than a Mustang. Jack, right. what do you think of Bronco design? Well, uh, I, think it's, I think it's terrific. Matter of fact, I was just in one today. I'm seeing an awful lot of them on the road, especially the sports series. Uh, they're, they're very good. They, they vehicles, all of the sport and the the larger one have you know, great stands. You know, they really make a strong stand. And you can pick up some of the, the more I see them, the more I see a, that they've really captured some of the feeling of the DNA of the original the original Bronco, which, by the way, I happen to work on. When, when we were doing oh, that. Oh, I vehicle, didn't know that. Really? Oh, yeah. 66, Jack? Yeah. When we had the Bronco in the studio, I mean, I remember coming in and the the image car for that was the international scout believe it or if you remember that one yeah mm-hmm. and, and and the designers kind of looked at that on at the scout and while we we're working on the bronco said you know who'd be interested in this kind of we didn't even know what the word suv meant back in those days <laughs> everybody said what is it who wants it who wants a vehicle like this well in actual fact it did sell very well and uh uh, and boy, they talk about a collector's vehicle now—the original, the original Bronco. But anyway, I think the the new Bronco on the road has captured some of that feeling. It just didn't go off the deep end; it did something else. But there are a number of design cues on the car, the overall stance of the car, and the silhouette. Uh, which, if you compare it to the original Bronco, it's there. There's a lot of the original Bronco walking around in the design of the new Bronco, which I think is great. Hey, Jack, yeah. did you? Did you say you worked on the original on the '66? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, as, as I said, I'm not kidding. The, de- the designers I had working for me in the studio at that time, you know, continue to say, "Well, you know, who, who cares? Who wants it? Who wants a vehicle like this?" Well, <laughs> who, nobody knew what an SUV was in those days, and it just didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but it. It sure, <laughs> it was it was really ahead of its time. But in all fairness, I've got to give the international scout a little bit of credit for starting the whole ball of wax in that in that area. Well, I don't know if you heard, Jack, that uh, uh, Volkswagen Group has purchased the right to use the name Scout again. Bought it off of uh, of uh, International Harvester, and it went over to to uh, Navistar, and they're they're yeah. thinking of coming out again with the Scout. Um, yeah, and yeah. you're right. If you don't use those old design cues, what good is heritage if exactly. it doesn't mean anything when you when you bring out the next product? Uh, a exactly. lot of people ask me to ask you about when it comes to Bronco. There's a, there's an iconic Jeep. Ford was actually involved with the original World War II Jeep before. Oh, sure, 
sure. before the rest of the world got the contract because we were busy making airplanes. But right. when it yeah. comes to the Jeep, a lot of people, when they compare a white space vehicle like a Jeep, and then they go, they know that Bronco is eating Jeep's lunch right now. They see the Bronco as a, a more um, sophisticated, um, a more modern design, even though Jeep tries to reckon back to that same primitive kind of look. Yeah, there should yeah. be something to the design of the Bronco, I think, that speaks to people. Do you think modernization is something that's necessary as we move forward in a whole new age of cars? Oh, I think we absolutely need it. There's no question, but we can't stand still. And uh, it's important to, I think, adhere to the DNA, but but try it in a contemporary way, not just uh, not just mimic or not just do a, a, a sort of same old, same old of the, of the vehicle that's you know, that old. And, and I think, that, again, this is where the Bronco, I think the parts is, uh, from the, the Jeep, it's, it's not trying to be a Jeep. It's, it's trying to be, a, it is a Bronco. And, uh, and there's so many design cues on that, that that separate it from the rest of the herd. I think it works. I have to tell you the Ford inside joke on that. Um, you said it's not like a Jeep. So we get asked that a lot. Is it like a Jeep? We said yes, but for men. Yeah, for men. Yeah. And the, very, very good. And the yeah, listening like to this podcast, the, calls, <laughs> the call center is lighting up tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I think the, the Jack's previous work in his comments on the new Bronco qualify him for membership in, in boxing. Yep. I, Maybe. I learned something very new tonight, and boy, is that a cool story. And we're going to have to do lunch or something, Jack, to get uh, some more story and some insight behind that. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'd love to. love to. Yeah, those, those are great days. Well, Jack, the other question that uh, those asked for us to kind of present to you tonight was so many people that you, you know, you walked Mustang Alley. You've been to these shows at World Headquarters. You've walked these or you've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people. And I know your designers, when you were running design, they take people's opinions in account when they create a new design. So some people have been asking us, why don't we just take the original Mustang and just put that body on it and just make that again? Because that car doesn't go away. And I know I've that heard, yeah. that's not the way you look at it when you did the 79. No, and I've heard I've heard that said so often. And of course, there, as you know, there's so many restorers who've taken the original Mustang and you know put you know, put new engine suspension and all, and, and brought you know brought them up with the technology that we have today, and, and they're very expensive, obviously. But people really like that design. But we can't stand still. We can't keep doing that. It's it's be like you know wearing the same pair of shoes for the rest of your life. You can't. You got to keep moving ahead, and. Uh, and as long as you maintain the design cues uh, of the car and do a contemporary version interpretation of it, it works. And I think, uh, but but there's no question about it. The the original Mustang still has a great look to it. Yeah, it still it still looks good after all these years. And absolutely, yeah. you you've been on a lot of those discussions, especially with Henry Ford II, when you were working on those cars. Um, would it? I mean, would you classify anything to be as difficult as Etzel Ford's battle against Henry I to change the Model T into the Model A? I mean, that must have been a struggle for him. To oh, make. poor guy. Yeah, I can imagine what he went through. My God, yeah. No, you're, but you had to go through some struggles to change Mustang. Well, well, we did, but um, uh, especially on the Fox. And, uh, and I, I, was, I was in competition with my boss at that time, Gene Bordenay. Mm-hmm who had one going in, in the advanced studio. 
And I, you know, I just got back from Europe, four years in Europe, running the design center over there. And, uh, and so I had, that's where, you know, we talk about the success of the Taurus, but it, it really the arrow look really started with the 79 Mustang with yeah. a slant back front end and all. We were in, we were well in the arrow at that point. And, and that paved, that paved. If it wasn't for the 79 Mustang and then the uh, HVT Bird, we never, we never could have done the '86 Taurus. I mean, we let, we eased, I think, uh, eased the, the buyers into those cars by by following through with the with the Arrow look, starting with the Mustang and the Bird, and then working on the Taurus. We set the pace, we we set the stage for the for the Taurus really with those cars. Well, Jack, you had a hand in so many of these great cars. Mike, do you think maybe we could get Jack to? come at a dinner and maybe do a jack you should you should pick up your sketch pad again and tell us what a 2030 mustang will look like and then we'll raffle it off at a, at a mustang uh, club event <laughs> that would be awesome <laughs> oh boy <Don't> you? <laughs> so jack do you still dabble a little bit in sketching or or maybe with your uh with your the computer mouse and cad cam or i mean do you still like to look at the uh, sketches or mess with that at all I I really don't. I really don't. After I left Ford, I got back into the boat boat design business, and uh, mm -hmm. but I but I never got back into sketching on cars again. But uh, I'd have to think about that one. I really would. <laughs> well, Mike, I know uh, it's an open invitation. We'd love to have thank you, a thank Jack you. at uh, the Woodward Dream Cruise Mustang Alley West. Uh, maybe Mike um, an, an invite to memories. I know that's a standing one, right? Always any 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 event we ever do ever, Jack's a Mustang hero and is always welcome at any event we ever possibly do, and it's always an honor to have him. And if uh, oh, he and his wife would like to come to the appreciation dinner, we Jack, we appreciate and everyone who's listening to this podcast, uh, you're uh, uh, making yourself available to the Mustang hobby. Uh, people love to hear the stories behind the Mustang and all the cars that you touched at Ford. So we just want you to know and. Uh, uh, appreciate much your time and effort to stay connected with the hobby. Do you still think that it's an important thing for Ford to stay connected with hobbyists? Oh, absolutely! My gosh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it's it's almost infectious. You know, people people want to people look up to the hobbyists too. They want to know what they're buying, what they're thinking, and why why they're moving the ways and the, and accepting the trends of the they, they they help set the pace. There's no question about it. And Jack's going to be the first guest on our Bronco podcast when we start that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Right. I was yeah. sure to listen in, Mike. That's a great well, yeah. Getting back to basics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jack, again, thank you so very much tonight for joining us on the Mustang well, podcast. Mike, I think you've got, you've got a few invitations to send out to Mr. Telnack. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. And again, we appreciate your time, Mike, and Jack, your time tonight. And for everyone listening, um, we appreciate you listening in and to hear some of our Mustang heroes and a guy like Jack Telnack to, to tell us his thoughts about the, the vehicles going forward. And Jack, uh, it's always insightful and fun talking to you. We hope we can uh, get you on again. Well, thank you, John. And thank you, Mike. And look forward to always being with you at any of the shows or especially this podcast. Very nice. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening in. And remember that we hope to catch you down the road.